Hello and welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly podcast series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Today, Pastor Nicole is wrapping up her series with Pastor Quint Lindblad called 30-Minute Theology. They've been discussing some big questions we have about God, faith, and the world we live in. Today, they're discussing how salvation works. What happens to us when we ask Jesus into our lives? We believe this is the most important decision any of us will make in our lives. So let's join Pastor Nicole and Pastor Quint as they unpack it. We're here today, uh, our final week of our 30-minute theology series, discussing some big questions we have about God. We're so glad you joined today. Uh, We hope that um, you're excited, as we are, uh, to kind of wrap up this series. So let me pray, and we'll jump right in. God, I thank you that um, you are big enough for all of our questions. Mm. God, I thank you that, as we've learned this month, that um, we can seek you and you promise that we'll find you. And so we just pray as we're on this journey to understand and know you better and know you more, that you would reveal yourself to us. Mm-hmm. God, we pray that our, our minds and our hearts would be open uh, to even things broader and bigger than our understanding. Uh, we're, we trust you. We love you. Uh, we want to obey you and serve you today. And God, it's in your holy and precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we have spent the last several weeks digging into various theology topics, hence the name 30-Minute Theology. And uh, theology is most simply stated as what we believe to be true about God, right? And so if you've been following along, you know that we looked at everything from the validity of the word and the importance of trusting what the Bible has to say to uh, the topic of the Trinity and how our God is three in one. And that obviously is a big discussion. It involves some real study. And hopefully all we did was start the conversation for you and you have been digging into that more on your own. Um, but then the, the middle week, we uh, looked at the theology of the church. And wow, that was a timely message given everything that has been going on in our world and the fact that the church is not a building, but it is a people. We are the ecclesia. We have been called out. Uh, to influence uh, places and people that surround us. And so I will say, as we are currently still in the middle of this coronavirus situation and all that uh, we didn't see coming and and whatever it involves, um, you know, it's important that we continue to remember to be the church, be the church to those around us um, as best we can. Don't forsake community and reach out to people and, and look for ways to help. Um, But then last week, we talked about the theology of the supernatural, another really big topic that warrants much more than 30 minutes of discussion. Um, But hopefully, it got the wheels turning, it started some conversations, and we gave you some places to go and continue Mm -hmm. in your study. But uh, today is, in my opinion, the absolute best uh, place to land this entire series. Today, we're going to talk about the theology of salvation. Okay, Mm -hmm. what is salvation And why does it matter? And at the onset of this series, throughout all of these messages, we have tried to remind you that theology is only as useful as your ability to apply it in your everyday, ordinary life. So all of these topics that I just mentioned and that we've studied for the month of March are great, and I hope you've gone deeper in studying them. We hope you've gone deeper in studying them. But it's important to remember that in the pursuit of understanding, we are really pursuing an application in our faith journey, okay? We are searching to know more so we can do more and do better, all right? Remember that in the very first week, week one, we prayed from Philippians 1, it says that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, 
to the glory and praise of our God. Mm. So our study of any of these things is ultimately supposed to result in a faith that is deeper and that produces a fruit, mm. a way of life that is different, okay? Um, and that is why today arguably matters more uh, than all of the other discussions that we've had because yeah. what you believe about salvation, what you believe about Christ's work on the cross is the foundation that all of the rest is built on, okay? And so, honestly, it is the foundation your entire life will be built on. So, let's dive into that. There was a man who lived 2,000 years ago, okay, who literally split time in half, all right? I want you to think about that. On this planet right now, there are 7 billion people. The number of people who have lived on this planet since the beginning of time is an incalculable number. We will never know that exact number, right, uh, until we are in heaven. But there's one man who left such a mark that we literally make our calendars and our time based on his existence on this planet. So good. Okay, so obviously he was no ordinary man. And obviously I'm speaking of Jesus Christ, okay? Uh, people might base their lives on other prophets or other religions, but they don't base their time on mm -hmm. those prophets. They don't take those prophets' name in vain, right? Jesus Christ is different. And I think regardless of your exposure or your experience with the church and with the word and the message of the gospel, what we all can agree on is, th is that this man, Jesus Christ, left an impact and that impact requires a decision on your part, okay? Um, we, we can't say that about anyone else who's ever lived. We can only say that about Jesus Christ. We all must decide if he was a religious fanatic or if he truly was the son of God as he claimed to be. So the entire book of 1 John is an excellent primer on this subject, okay? Um, in 1 John 1, we read these words. The life appeared. We have seen it and we testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. So John was one of Christ's disciples, and he is speaking here about Jesus Christ. He is saying in these words, we have seen the one, okay? The one who changed everything. The one who will split time in half, who will require a decision from everyone else who comes after, all right? He's writing in 1 John to early Christians to encourage them and to confirm their faith. And this is just as useful to us today as Christians as we need to be encouraged and we need to have our faith confirmed, okay? But what better place to gain our understanding and our theology than from one of Jesus Christ's own followers? Mm -hmm. These men walked with him daily. They say, saw all that he did. Honestly, if there was anyone who was going to out him as anything but the son of God, these were the men who would have done it mm. because they watched his every movement, okay? They spent their lives uh, after he died and rose again, proclaiming his message and his gospel to all who would hear. And it is the bold, courageous, and radical obedience of these apostles that advanced the name and the message of Jesus Christ in the early church. There is no better place, no better source for us to shape our theology on this subject. So let's just take a step back and remember our subject today is salvation, all right? But I'm here framing this conversation around a person named Jesus Christ. And you might be saying at home, well, which one is it, Quint? Are we talking about Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. Are we talking about salvation, all right? And this is what I would say. Salvation 
for all of us exists mm. because of this one man yeah. and his work on the cross, okay? Mm. Without Jesus Christ, there is no salvation, yeah. all right? The reason that this man who lived 2,000 years ago left a mark unlike anyone else on the planet has ever done is different is that this man did what no other man and no other woman could do on the history of the planet, mm -hmm. okay? Let me say it this way. To understand salvation is to know the person Jesus Christ. It's to encounter him, to repent before him, to embrace him, and to love him. Yeah, so good. Um, well, I have a really deep question to start off my section. Quint, okay. um, do you like superhero movies? Uh not really, honestly. Oh, not, man. I, not, I'm not a huge fan, like some people. All right, but. so just yeah, so, partial fan. Yeah. Okay, so um, <laughs> so in there's this movie, uh, superhero movies. So you might not have seen it, Spider-Man Three. Have you seen Spider-Man Three? I have not. None of the super. Okay. Well, anyway, Peter Parker um, is the main guy, and he's finally managed to strike a balance between. Uh, his devotion to the love of his life and his duties as a superhero. But uh, there's this storm brewing on the horizon, like most good movies, uh, and his suit suddenly changes. Um, so I'm going to spoiler alert for you. Uh, that's, okay with that? it's fine. Okay, uh, and, and it turns jet black and it enhances his powers and it transforms Peter. Uh, it kind of brings out this dark, vengeful side of his personality uh, that he's struggling to control. And, okay. and the movie is really all about his... Uh, kind of, uh, you know, struggle between who he is and who he should be, and he starts to neglect the people who care about him most, and he's kind of forced to choose. Um, and, and, and in the meantime, he's trying not to lose the love of his life or his status or his chances of Spider-Man 4, you know, like, so he's trying, okay, to, he's yeah. trying to walk through. So True. Um, what's interesting is when I saw this movie several years ago, um, this vivid picture of this movie uh, on this movie screen exemplified, I think, the very nature of sin itself. It was sin personified. So you could see it. It was like this black mob lurking and moving and destroying. Mm. And, and I believe if we could actually see sin, if we could you know, get our, our minds around it, um, it would look like it did in Spider-Man 3. It would hide itself behind normal safe objects. <laughs> and mm. when you're vulnerable, attach itself to you. Yeah. It would escape even when you tried to contain it. It, it, would, it would infect places of your life you never dreamed it would. It would seem harmless at first, cute even, but end up entangling and overtaking you. And, and sin would really latch on um, until it sucked the superhero out of each of us, right? right, right. Um, so it's interesting because sin is not... Uh, something that's just new to our culture or our generation. It's been here since the beginning of time. Uh, people have tried to define this in word pictures. So Spider-Man 3 is not the first to try to uh, define this or personify sin. But in the Old Testament, um, they use terms like bent or crooked uh, to, to define sin, hmm. a breach of trust, uh, to refuse subjection to rightful authority. Uh, the most widely used word in the Old Testament to describe sin was the word chatha, which means to miss the goal or to depart from God's purposes. And so often you can define sin as uh, missing the mark. That's kind of the, uh, an easy way to, to describe it. But really, um, sin overall is our failure to fulfill God's intentions for us. It's yeah. our failure to yeah. fulfill God's perfect intentions for us. So now sin... Um, causes all kinds of problems in the world. It causes all kinds of problems in our own lives. Um, I believe it can take credit for much of the pain and the grief that we understand and experience in our lifetime. It, like, it has much to do with either the sin of us or the sin of other people. Yeah. And I think what's, uh, what's interesting is, and true if we really think about it, that the, that the longer we serve Jesus, 
um, the less repentant we can become. Mm. Uh, we settle ourselves sort of into this rut of mediocrity. Um, it's kind of like a ditch. It's easy to get in. It's hard to get out. You know, it's, right, it's easy right. to stay in. Uh, repentance, which is uh, turning from sin, is painful. It's, it involves changing. Uh, and that's something, change is not something yeah. we naturally like. It involves stretching. It sure. involves moving. Um, running from sin can be exhausting. Wrestling with our inner desires and our thoughts can be grueling. And so often what we do is we, we just uh, su- subject ourselves to it, submit to it. We say, well, uh, I've tried to beat this addiction or this habit for this long, but you know what? I just get angry. Like, that's just who I am. Or I just use this to cope. At least it's not as bad as this, or at least it's not as bad as that. Right. And we get ourselves in this rut and in this ditch of mediocrity. And there's no doubt that after we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, um, he calls us specifically to live a holy life. Like, right. we, we know that. And, in fact, I want to just bring us to First Peter 1, 16. It says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I'm holy. That's pretty straightforward. Jesus says we need to live a radical life of holiness as believers in him. And he expects us to be set apart, to be dedicated, to be consecrated to him. So ultimately, no sin is excused. Uh, No sin is um, something that we can just... uh, uh, you know, say, well, we've dealt with this our whole life, or my dad did it, so I did it, or, or generations, or that sort of thing. Um, and the reason why we can't excuse it is because every sin carries a penalty, and every sin, Christ paid that penalty. Mm, that's good. And so by saying, uh, this thing isn't a big deal, or I'm just going to let that go, uh, someone's paying for it. Yep. Even if it's not you or the people in your life, sometimes we justify sin because it's not hurting us or other people, uh, but it certainly will... It, it, it has a price, and the price will be paid, and the price is paid by Jesus. And yeah. so, um, so when, we, when we're just, why I'm talking about sin is that uh, when we talk about salvation, we need to think about what is it we're being saved from? What, what is it that we need right. rescued from? Yeah. Well, what we need rescued from is sin that leads to death. That's what we need rescued from. So we have this, this kind of thing in our lives. You know, kind of... Um, in the same vein of we get in this rut, we get in this mediocrity, sometimes serving God for a long, long time, um, we're still, maybe we've been Christians, maybe we've been sitting in these pews for 40 years, but we still have sin issues. Oftentimes when we get in a believing community, we, we get shielded from obvious sins. So we think to ourselves, well, there, probably a murderer isn't sitting next to me or a high dollar thief. Uh, so in comparison, like we're all doing okay, right. but sometimes we're in the ditch together. Right. So it seems right. okay. Yep. So we're all compromising on a certain thing or we're all, uh, we're, we're all kind of in the ditch together. And so we don't realize the sin that we're in or the thing that we need to change. I once heard this and it stuck with me forever. Um, your proximity to God, your intimacy to God can be measured by the amount of time it takes for conviction to set in. Mm. So, so for example, um, there are times when I'm, when I'm really selfish maybe about something, and weeks go by, and, and, and it, it takes weeks for me to realize how incredibly unfair I was being in that moment. And, and I'm sure in that moment of selfishness, the Holy Spirit tried to tell me, tried to warn me, but because of my proximity, because of my intimacy with the Lord, it took weeks for me to realize it. And so there's a red flag. I need to connect with God's presence more often. Yeah. So when he tells me when I'm being selfish, I'll hear him. Right. You know, or I'll just paint an opposite picture. Have you um, ever been saying something and as the words are leaving your lips, you feel God nudging you being like, hey, 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 right. you promised not to tell anybody and that just came out your 
mouth, right. you know, or that was, that was really uh, angry or mean or bitter. That instantaneous conviction can indicate that you are plugged into God's voice. And so in some right. ways, that's, a, that's actually a, a better scenario because you can repent and yeah. change yeah. quicker. So I want to encourage you, if you've not felt conviction for a long time, if you've not repented of any sin for a while, um, get to God, get to his throne, get on your knees, even today, wherever you are, pause this if you need to, we'll wait, right. <laughs> um, and just a voice to him, uh, Jesus, what are the things in my life that don't please you? Ask him to restore that small voice in your spirit that lets you know what you're, when you're missing the mark, when you're mm-hmm. sinning. Um, Psalm 51 is a great a scripture that I use often, if you don't know what to say uh, in confession or in repentance, you can use Psalm 51 and kind of uh, yeah. model after David. Yeah, and sometimes we get, in, we get this mentality in our lives like we're so cleaned up that, you know, we're doing pretty good and we're okay. And I, I used to struggle with X, Y, Z. You know, God doesn't rank sin, but sometimes yeah. we do. And so yeah. we, we get in these ruts where we, um, we rank what our current struggles are to past struggles, which it's great that we're progressing in holiness, but we still need to take uh, take just as seriously whatever our current struggle may be and uh, repent before God and confess and, and allow him to do that work in us. Yeah, totally. And I think sometimes just when we think maybe we have, we've conquered something else, uh, something else is sneaking in the back door, right? Yep. And so we have to really keep alert yep. uh, to, to those types of things. Um, so why is sin... Why do we need to stay away from it? Why, why is this such an important thing for us to stay away from? A couple things. One, um, sin causes alienation. Mm-hmm. Sin causes alienation. That does not mean it turns you into an alien. Right, right, right. What alienation means is loneliness. It means um, being... Uh, separated. So we are designed to be God's friends. We are designed to be God's children, but our sin leads us to be enemies of God, according to Romans 5.10. So rather than enjoying the presence of God, we flee. We, we don't even know why. We, we just are rebellious. We're, our sin nature pushes us from it. And we, we push aside this invaluable friendship and relationship that God is offering. And we sometimes alienate ourselves willingly and say, no, I, I'm going to do this my own way. And so as people, um, we, we kind of sometimes will live in fear, presuming that God is hostile toward us. Like, well, we've sinned so much that, that God doesn't want us or we don't want to come to church because we, we've had all this, you know, whatever things in our lives and made poor choices. But here's the, the crazy part. We are always the hostile ones. God mm. is never the one pushing us away. Right, we right. are always the one pushing ourselves away. Yeah. Um, and so despite our infinite dependence, we run from the only one who can overcome our fear, our brokenness, our hostility, uh, who can fill our deepest needs. It's kind of like um, like a toddler. You have a couple of these, I think, at your house. I, I do. Um, where a few. They, want, they, they need you to pick them up, but they don't want to be picked up. So they're kicking against the really the person that, the only person that can help them, right, you know what I mean, is, right. is who they're defying, uh, and 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 that is such a, a an interesting analogy of how I think that we are with the Lord sometimes mm-hmm. is because we're pushing Him away but blaming Him for not being close. Yeah. Um, so yeah. sin causes alienation. Uh, a whole bunch of verses about this. I'll just uh, Romans one twenty one says sin darkens our hearts. 1 Timothy 6.5 says sin corrupts our minds. So see, it affects our hearts. It affects our minds. 1 Corinthians 2.14 reminds us sin doesn't even allow us to understand spiritual truths. It keeps us outside of God's best. Uh, it's, it's even that we can't even understand all that God has for us because if there's sin in our lives. And so it causes alienation. It keeps us from God. The more we sin, the further from God we get and the harder it is 
to feel like uh, we can get back. Mm -hmm. So sin is ugly. Um, the ultimate consequence of sin is condemnation. So this is where this theology of salvation is so important to understand. So we all sin. We all are hostile toward God. We all are doing things to uh, push God away from us, whether we, whether we realize it or not. So right. all these things happen. We do it even though we've been Christians for years and years. We do it when we're first Christians. You know, that's kind of my point of all this. We all do it. It's, yeah. it's all the time. It's ugly all no the time. No one is exempt. No one is exempt. But the ultimate consequence of sin is condemnation. Now, um, have you ever served on jury duty? I haven't. No. Okay, my so, wife has been called several times, and huh, I never have. She must seem more fair than you or something. Wow. But anyway, yeah, probably. <laughs> but anyway, uh, jury duty is such an interesting, uh, I've done it a few times as well, and it's such an interesting situation, you know, where you go in. But that, that courtroom, right, the metaphor of a courtroom, I think can really help us understand the spiritual principle. So if you do have some context of that, um, because of sin, we uh, go before the jury, if you will, and we are condemned. We are condemned before a righteous God. If it were up to God to judge our lives, judge our motives, our thoughts, our feelings, mm -hmm. uh, we would miss the mark. We would be off. We would be held on trial. And, and actually, the scripture says that someday we will be on trial, that someday we will stand before God, and condemnation will be our sentence. That will be... Um, the judgment that hangs over us because of our sin. And we will stand guilty before our creator. We have fallen short. We, we, we have missed the mark. We have, we have not done and said and thought and been all the things. It's impossible to do that. And in Revelation 20, it actually talks about this moment. It calls it the final judgment. And in that moment, uh, if you can imagine with me, the righteous judge uh, will pronounce his verdict. And all guilty human beings, which will be you and me, Pastor Quint, and everyone watching, yeah. we will be uh, banished from his presence. That will be the, the ruling is, you have sinned, you've fallen short. Anything less than holy can't be with God. Mm. And there will be only one hope for us. And that will be the hope of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's what you talked about. And he will say, I will take her place. I will take his place. Mm -hmm. I, will, I will bear the punishment even though I don't deserve it, I will take the punishment. I will take what he or she deserved. I will receive the condemnation of the sin on my shoulders. And in that moment, God the Father will say, I accept that. And Jesus will take all our condemnation and we will get to live and be reconciled to Christ in his presence, to God in his presence forever and ever. And you know, there's a worship song. It's a little bit older now, but it had these uh, words and I've never forgotten it. It says, I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. Mm. And I think in that moment, we'll understand that. I think in that moment, when Jesus takes our guilty sentence, we will be able to understand how deeply hopeless we were without a Savior and without yeah. Jesus coming in. So good. This is why Good Friday and Easter are such powerful um, events and days that we, we take time to celebrate. Uh, what Pastor Nicole has, has established is that we all fall short of unity with Christ. We all for, fall short of what it requires to be in union with God, and that is because we have sinned. And so Christ stepped in on our behalf and did a work on our behalf. He's the only one willing to. He was the only one worthy to and he accomplished it. So Jesus Christ lived in this world without ever sinning. He never compromised his union with the Father. We mm. talked about that over these last several weeks in our, in our study on the Trinity. 
Um, but in his comings and his goings, his interactions with the disciples and with the large crowds and with the religious leaders and everything that he did, he never compromised who he was and his union with God, and he lived a perfect and sinless life. And because of that, um, even though Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as Pastor Nicole just said, he will make us, uh, he will redeem us from that and unite yeah. us with God the Father. So if you look back to 1 John, we can learn how to respond to Christ accordingly. 1 John 1, or 1 John 1, 5 through 7, excuse me, says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all our sin. So John is just confirming to believers everywhere that God the Father is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And this is the reason we needed a savior because we lived and walked in darkness, but now we live and walk in the light of Jesus Christ. We needed to be redeemed from that sin nature that Pastor Nicole just taught us about. And only one person could do this for us. That person that requires a decision, his name is Jesus Christ. John calls him by name in verse seven when he says, it is the blood of Jesus Christ that purifies us from all of our sin. So how can we be sure? What steps can we take to know in our hearts, our minds, and our souls that we are redeemed and saved by this man, Jesus Christ? Maybe you're watching today, wherever you are, and you're considering what we're talking about, and you're wrestling with this decision that Jesus Christ requires from you. I'm glad you're wrestling with this decision that yeah. Jesus Christ requires from you. That is why we are doing this. Who was he, and why does it matter to me, and why does it matter to you. If you've landed at that place and you recognize Jesus for who he is, God's only son, and what he's done in your life, died on the cross mm -hmm. and rose again from the dead, uh, paid your price to unite you with the Father, uh, we want to give you the opportunity to do something about that. So actually at the end of this video, we're going to pray with you. We're going to walk you through mm -hmm. uh, what it is to wherever you are, okay? So if you're in your car watching this on your phone or you're at home watching it in your living room, we're gonna take just a couple minutes at the end of this video to walk you through uh, salvation, the process of uh, stepping into salvation and engaging in relationship with Jesus Christ and letting him be that light so you can no longer walk in darkness. But before we do that, Pastor Nicole is gonna explain just some terms or words that we find throughout the New Testament on this subject of salvation to kind of make some sense of it so we can give you some tools to walk with. Yeah. Um, so there are, in the New Testament, there are some different just terms that are used all through. Um, just the word salvation isn't the only word we find to talk about this concept. And so I actually listed them here um, behind me. So I'm just going to give you a brief um, explanation of maybe some of these words that you've read or seen. Uh, the first one is justification. So when someone responds to God's call in repentance and faith, um, God responds by thinking of that person's sins of being forgiven and thinking Christ's righteousness belongs to that person. So at that moment of salvation, at that moment of accepting Christ as your savior, God declares that person to be righteous in his sight. And so justification is actually an instantaneous 
legal act of God, which he mm. thinks our sins are forgiven, and he declares us as morally righteous yeah. in that moment. Uh, Romans 5.1 is a good example of this. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through mm. faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's explaining what's actually happening when you accept what you're about to lead us through here in a few minutes, Pastor Quint. When that happens, all of this happens at the same time. It's such a beautiful, multifaceted, yeah. complex, wonderful thing, but so simple too, you know, of what God's doing. A uh, second thing, adoption. In addition to justification, when we are saved, when we come into to this moment of salvation, another privilege that we get is we um, are adopted by God. God makes us members of his family, uh, which is just so awesome. Because when you're the members of a family, uh, you get all the benefits of being adopted. Hmm. You become, uh, you have the privilege of access to God. You can call him father. You don't have to live in fear. You can experience joy and blessings. Uh, John 1.12, we are told that all who have received Christ, he gave the right to become children of God. What a beautiful transformation. Yeah, what a beautiful yeah. identity shift of who we are. Yeah. Uh, third, regeneration. Uh, regeneration. This is the moment that we are set free from sin and considered dead to sin and alive to Christ. Now, let me just be clear. When you accept Christ as your Savior, you are justified, adopted, regenerated. These aren't separate right, uh, right. moments. This is all happening, all yeah. kind of at the same exact time. Uh, regeneration is this moment we are set free from sin, we are considered dead to sin and alive in Christ. Romans 6, 11 through 12 says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. It's sort of this communication that, it is the break in the power of sin in our lives. We no longer have to be ruled or dominated by our sin nature mm -hmm. because we are regenerated. Yeah. We're almost like recalibrated, reset. We're regenerated to be children of God. Um, and the, the next one is redemption. Uh, this, again, is happening all at the same time in your moment of salvation. Uh, redemption, the Hebrew word for that is actually purchased. Christ purchased us from the consequences of our sin. Um, and the price of the purchase was nothing less than his very own life. Mm. Like, it, that's what he had to give up, his, his blood. That yeah. is what purchased us. And we were his, he created us, but we turned away to sin. We talked all about how that happens. And then he bought us back. Yep. And that's just so, so beautiful. Hebrews 9, 12 speaks to this. Um, it says, he did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Mm. And so that's how we understand that. Next is the word atonement. Atonement. So all of these things are happening. Atonement means that a holy God cannot look upon or fellowship with a sinful thing or a sinful person. So Jesus covered our sins. He kept his righteousness. He covered us so we can fellowship with God again. So we uh, aren't perfect. We aren't righteous. But in the moment of salvation, Jesus atones for us. He, yeah. he, makes, he, he fills the gap. He, he covers us. He makes up the difference. Mm -hmm. he, he becomes everything uh, for us that we couldn't be ourselves. And Romans 3.25 says that God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Mm. So as a sacrifice of a covering through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. And he did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Mm. So he had waited to punish those sins so that knowing that Christ would cover them. So the last one, and this would be the, the, the term sanctification. Now this is uh, the 
you begin sanctification in the moment of salvation, but this is something you work on your whole life long. Right. Okay. Right. So all of these things happen in your moment of salvation. Uh, you don't have to do anything extra. This is all. I don't know, five or six or ten for one. It all yeah, kind of yeah, happens yeah, in that yeah. moment. Mm -hmm. But sanctification is this process. So what that is, is it's a process, and it's something we actually go through our whole life. Um, the scripture actually says we're never going to be sin-free completely on the side of heaven. Uh, in fact, 1 John 1, 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. Yep. But our sanctification will be complete when our souls are set free from our physical body and we get to heaven with Jesus. Because yeah. we know that nothing sinful can live there. No separation from God lives there. And so although we will never be completely free from sin, we have to have a regular increase of sanctification. Yeah. Okay, we cannot say that any sin has defeated us or we cannot change or this is who we are or this is the sin I'm always going to deal with. Sanctification is the work of God through the Holy Spirit to make us holy. And it's so important that we are moving toward that every day, yeah. all of our lives, over and over, fighting for that holiness so that we can please and honor God. And you know, the Holy Spirit helps us with that. Absolutely. And so that's the difference between some of those different terms. Yeah. So uh, wherever you are today, if this is um, just exactly what you needed to hear in this moment, and I'm believing that it is for, for some of you watching, uh, we, I just want to walk you through a prayer uh, to start the sanctification promise pr process. All of these things happen all at once. And then what you step into when you have prayed this prayer and accept salvation and Christ as your savior is uh, an endless pursuit of him and an endless relationship and an endless pursuit of holiness. So it's not a one-time thing and then everything just changes, right. uh, but it is the, the stepping in, it's the doorway into a brand new way of life. So let's, uh, wherever you are, if you would just pray uh, these words after me, I'll give you a little space in between some of the phrases. And um, here we go. Uh, Father God, I recognize my separation and distance from you. I recognize my need for a savior. And I thank you for giving me Jesus Christ as the substitute and payment for my sins. Jesus, I love you, and I accept you as the Son of God who has taken away all of my sins. I confess before you that I fall short, and I ask you to forgive me and come live inside me. Make me new. I praise you for giving me new life and for the Holy Spirit inside of me. And Holy Spirit, Guide my actions and my life. Give me direction and empowerment to show you to others. And we ask all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You know, I just want to encourage you today, um, if you prayed that prayer, to tell somebody. Yeah. <laughs> tell yeah. somebody in your life that can help you. Uh, you can process. message us on Facebook. You can email us. Get in touch with yeah. us. Let us know. And then also... Um, Maybe uh, 
Salvation is something you've experienced before, and we're so grateful for that. Maybe uh, you would share this video with someone that you really need, thinks they need to understand. This is the most important decision we can make on the side of heaven, and uh, it's very serious, and it's very um, important theology. Like you said, the reason why we saved it for last yeah. is because it's the most important thing to know, more important than all the other topics we even talked about. Absolutely. So we're so glad that you joined us today. Uh, again, we miss you. We can't wait to actually fellowship together. Yeah. It will be such a sweet day when we get to do that. But in the meantime, uh, we're thankful for you and we hope that you're having, you're staying healthy and you're asking how you can help in your community. So have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts. You can find all our podcasts at eriefirst.org, including this one and the Quintessential Ministry Podcast with Pastor Quint Lindblad. Thanks for joining us. You can find all our latest news and information at eriefirst.org. See you next time.